It's always good to get together and uh, worship the Lord, right? Um, when we get together, we practice what the Word says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where we're supposed to fellowship together, break bread together, dive into the Word together, and pray. And that's what we're going to do. So, Except for the food. No food tonight. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes, we have the Word, which is our food. Thank you, brother. So, let's pray. So, Father, thank you again for another time to dive into your word, to learn more about you, Lord, um, to understand your character, Lord. Please fill us with your spirit, Lord. Allow us to have ears to hear, eyes to read, and to absorb everything that you would have for us tonight. Um, Pray for those that are online and for those that are unable to get here tonight, Lord, if they are able to watch online. Or if they're not, um, maybe they'll see this later, Lord. Pray for those that are heal are hurting. We pray for healing for those that are hurting. So many, Lord, that have physical ailments right now, Lord, in our body, and we just ask for your hand to touch them, Lord, and to bless them. and to let you know that you are forever near them and you're near us right now, Lord. We thank you and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Um, so last time we were together, uh, we finished up Genesis 9, so we'll be in Genesis 10. And what we can see here in Genesis 10 are well, is a message from the Lord that origins are important and ancestry is important and lineage is important and genealogy is important. And Pastor Rob shared this uh, genealogy message um, a few weeks ago uh, about Jesus and how the line of Jesus um, came through Nathan and Solomon together And what we'll read tonight is uh, a precursor to that. It's ahead of Jesus coming to the earth, but it was our Lord preparing anyway by procreation through Noah and his sons, um, paving the way for Jesus to come eventually through the lineage. So uh, as mentioned before in other messages uh, that I've started, I myself believe that God's message is simple, it's clear, and it's different. Different meaning it's not what the world believes. The world doesn't believe anymore that a family is a family made of one man and one woman, a husband and a wife. Many people out there don't believe that anymore. And as a result of that, it's as if the fiber of our very family and, and our psyches are, are being adjusted away from the Lord. And it really wreaks havoc on kids and families when there's separation. And our Lord doesn't want us to be separated from him, and he doesn't want us to be separated from our family, whether it's our biological family or our church family. 
And that's why this is important that we get together and we dive into his word and we sing songs to him and we prepare our hearts um, just to receive from him. So as we look here um, in Genesis 10, which I'll get to in a minute, but um, I wanted to sort of highlight a few things that stuck out to me in um, this passage as well as a few others that we'll go to tonight that the Lord tends to repeat things and he uh, does that I believe because I'm kind of thick-headed sometimes just to emphasize the points to um, make us aware of what his intentions are and if you've studied the Bible and listened to pastors that stick to the word, you know that God's overarching message to us is love, that he loves us. He loved Israel uh, enough to birth that nation and to set aside a land for them. And that's a little bit of what we'll read here in chapter 10 also tonight. Uh, there are a couple terms that stuck out um, to me that kind of parallel this uh, chapter tonight. Um, words such as prepare, develop, progress, order, ancestry, or lineage, or genealogy, nations, borders, territory, land, and foundation. And to me, all those speak to our faith walk with the Lord and also speak to how he has systematically, consistently, gently developed like the whole system of the earth, the universe, um, just the, the ability for humans to procreate and to, um, to give him honor, glory, and praise for all the things that he gives us every day. Um, so I actually looked up a couple of those words and to kind of prep us, let's look at a couple of definitions of some of the words. So genealogy is a history of the descent of a person or family from an ancestor or regular descent of a person or family from a progenitor, otherwise pedigree and lineage. And three is the study of family pedigrees. Ancestry is ancestral lineage, lineage, hence birth or honorable descent or a series of ancestors. And synonyms or synonymous to ancestry, again, are lineage and pedigree, which means one's progenitors collectively or their quality or character. Ancestry evokes the image of a family tree branching that sounds like Jesus, he's the vine and we are the branches. And ramifying the further it ascends, 
in looser but also good use, it suggests one's progenitors in general, known or unknown. And lineage stresses descent in line. It evokes the image of a list of persons who in order of generation are descended from a single ancestor. Thus, any group of persons who trace their de derivation back to a common ancestor are of the same lineage, although their ancestry may be widely different. And pedigree implies known and recorded ancestry and is applicable not only to persons, but to animals and plants propagated under controlled conditions. Well, who's in control? God. And he makes the, the ability for everything, plants, animals, humans, to procreate. Now, what I found interesting is in this um, Webster's Dictionary, only two words away is anchor. That's next in line. And who's our anchor? Who's our rock? That's Jesus. And we'll look at the word nation in here uh, in Genesis 10 tonight. So the definition of nation is a people connected by supposed ties of blood generally manifested by community of language, religion, customs. And any aggregation of people having like institutions and customs and a sense of social homogeneity, sorry, I'm botching that word, homogeneity, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, and mutual interest. The body of inhabitants of a country united under a single independent government or a state. And then if you wanted to like use a, syn a synonym for nation, you could say land, which God grants land, and he he's began granting land uh, through the ages. So land is the solid part of the surface of the earth. Any portion of the surface of the earth considered by itself as a country, a state, farm, or tract, hence a nation or a people. And so as we go through this, um, chapter 10 here, uh, let's keep those words in mind and see how God has systematically just laid out a plan. And he's, he's put all this together for his purposes, again, to build a nation of Israel, to give them a homeland, and to bring forth the Messiah so that we can be saved. Yes. So, um, again, and the premise of this is when he tells Noah and his family to be fruitful and multiply. And he says that a couple of different times. He says it in chapter 8, um, verse 17, Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him. And then chapter 9, verse 1, So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It, it, again, it's the repetition. Um, and then verse 7, he says it again. <laughs> 
And as for you, this is chapter 9, verse 7, and as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. It's just like a repetitive theme here. So obviously when the word repeats itself, that's a point that the Lord wants us to share and to try to understand that he has no intention to like restrict or um, minimize things like, first of all, life and abundance. He wishes to bless and not curse us. He, he wishes to love on us. So, so let's start um, chapter 10. I think maybe I might just read through it to start. And then maybe we'll go to some correlating verses after that. So, chapter 10, verse 1. Now, this is the genealogy of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Medei, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tiras. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, Ripath, and Togarma. The sons of Javan were Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Dodanim. From these, the coastal peoples of the Gentiles were separated into their lands. So actually, if you recognize some of these names, Tarshish, that's something that we've heard of before. Gomer, we've heard of. Tubal and Meshach, we've heard of. Um, so the Lord is already kind of outlining the boundaries of land and kind of indicating geographically um, where people will start to reside. So verse 5 again. From these the coastland peoples of the Gentiles were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. Verse 6. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Ramah, and Sabteca, and the sons of Ramah were Sheba and Dedan, and some of those should kind of ring a bell too. Sheba, Cush, Canaan, they're all in the region. Verse 8, Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. I've also heard other definitions um, of Nimrod being influencer. So as we read this, it speaks to him wanting to expand his kingdom, his land um, ownership. And we'll get into that right here in verse 10. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. That should sound familiar. Erech, uh, I'm going to say Akkad, but I don't know if it could be Asad also. And Kalna in the land of Shinar. And if I understand the research, Shinar is possibly where modern day Iraq is right now. From that land, he went to Assyria and built Nineveh. Rehoboth, Ur, Kala, and Reason between 
Nineveh and Kala. That is the principal city. Mizraim begot Ludim, Anamim, Lehabim, Neftuhim, Pathrusim, and Kasluhim, from whom came the Philistines and Kephtorim. So it's interesting that already um, there's uh, the reference to the Philistines and they were always kind of like a nemesis to Israel. So verse 15, Canaan begot Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, the Jebusite, the Amorite, and the Girgashite, the Hevite, the Archite, and the Sinite, the Arvadite, the Zemarite, and the Hamathite. Afterwards, the families of the Canaanites were dispersed. So um, that doesn't match uh, to the Tower of Babel chapter, which is 11 yet. They were dispersed, meaning they just inhabited um, the lands around the area there. So verse 19, and the border of the Canaanites was from Sidon, as you go toward Gerar, as far as Gaza. Then you go toward Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim, as far as Lasha. Verse 20, these were the sons of Ham according to their families, according to their languages, in their lands, and in their nations. So what the nations wound up being named after the names of the sons. So verse 21, and children were born also to Shem, the father of all the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth, the elder. Um, so if you remember, I believe Pastor Rob taught this a little while ago, that Shem from Shem comes Semite, and that is actually then the lineage of the Hebrew, the Jewish people. Whereas Ham, that he is called the father of Canaan. Uh, so in physical land terms, he's actually the um, first owner of the land that would become Israel um, after, uh, after a time. So verse 22, the sons of Shem were Elam, Asher, Arphaxad, Lud, and Aram. The sons of Aram were Uz, Hul, Gether, and Mash. And Mash is uh, AKA Meshech. Verse 24, Arphaxad begot Salah, and I think Salah is also another. Well, this says that there may have been an interim, uh, my footnote here says, um, Canaan, Arphaxad begot Canaan, and Canaan begot Salah. And there is a reference to Luke, but let's not go there right now. Um, but if there's a reference, we shouldn't be concerned about the um, accuracy here. So, Arphaxad begot Salah, and Salah begot Eber. To Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided. So Peleg means division. And his brother's name was Joktan. Joktan begot Almodad, Shelef, Hazarmaveth, Jerah, Hadaram, Uzal, Dikla, 
Obal, which is also um, spelled Ebal, and that is also in one of the sections we're going to go to in First Chronicles chapter one. Um, soon, <laughs> after I get through these names, so uh, his brother's name was Joktan. Joktan begot Amodad, Shelef, Hazarmaveth, Jerah, Hedaram, Uzal, Dikla, Obal, Abimael, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, and Jobab. All these were the sons of Joktan. Verse 30. And their dwelling place was from Mesha as you go toward Sephar, the mountain of the east. These were the sons of Shem, according to their families, according to their languages, in their lands, according to their nations. So with each of the three brothers, the Lord has kind of separated. They're still family, but they each appear to have their own cultural ways, their own language, and they all have their own property borders as well. So verse 32, these were the families of the sons of Noah according to their generations in their nations, and from these the nations were divided on the earth after the flood, which simply means they were separated but not terribly away from each other. Um, they just had their own cultural differences, and they were free to go their own way and do whatever they needed to do, whatever ways of farming and other means of sustaining themselves, they did. Uh, so let's go to Deuteronomy 19. Um, this speaks about borders and um, good conduct in terms of property. So Deuteronomy 19 verse 14 says, you shall not remove your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set, in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So, as we just read in um, chapter 10 of Genesis, the Lord has already earmarked lands and peoples for certain lands, and he's outlined geography for people. And in Deuteronomy, we're told here that it's not good to move the landmarks. In other words, God has a reason for setting people in certain places and, and laying out boundaries. And the same thing um, we can see here again is repeated in Deuteronomy 27. Uh, if you go there quick, a um, couple pages over. Deuteronomy 27 verse 16 says, Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt, which I, um, if we remember, we spoke about that uh, when Ham walked in on Noah into his tent. Um, so that kind of referred back to where we were before. And then verse 17, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but the people say, and all the people shall say amen. So they're agreeing with that. And then verse 17, cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say amen. And cursed is the one who makes the blind to wander off the road, and all the people shall say amen. And cursed is the one who perverts the justice due, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say amen. 
So you'll see what I'll get to here um, with the fatherless, the widow, the orphan. Um, God has earmarked lands for everyone to benefit everyone, um, and his ways are good. He doesn't want anyone to perish, uh, so he's already set a course in motion here right after Noah to start taking care of as many people as are created. So let's flip over to First Chronicles chapter 1. And this is where we get a repetition of the lineage from Adam um, to Noah, actually to Abraham, which we'll be going to in a couple of, couple of months, or maybe even next month when I'm up again. So First Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1. So, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Medai, Javan, Tubal, Meshech, and Tiras. So you see as we go down here, he's just reiterating the whole lineage, um, which is important. I mean, as we're learning here in the Bible, God has an order and a systematic way of doing things. He has a plan for us, and um, he, he will work it out, whether, whether we participate with him or not. Um, he's, he's going to work out his plans. So, uh, verse 6, the sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, uh, Dif. Diphath and Tagarma. The sons of Javan were Elisha, Tarshisha, and again, these are slightly different variations. Tarshish was um, earlier, that was just shorter. Kittim and Rodanim. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizrim, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Sabta. Rama and Sabteca, the sons of Rama were Sheba and Dedan. Cush begot Nimrod, he began to be a mighty one on the earth. Mizraim begot Ludim, Anamim, Lahabim, Naphtuhim, Pathrusim, Kasluhim, from whom came the Philistines, and the Caphtorium. Canaan begot Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, the Jebusite, the Amorite, and the Girgashite the Hivite, the Archite, and the Sinite, and the Arvidite, the Zemarite, and the Hamathite. The sons of Shem were Elam, Asher, Arphazad, Lud, Aram, Uz, Hul, Gether, and Meshech. Arphazad begot Shelah, and Shelah begot Eber. To Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his day the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Joktan begot Amadad, Shelef, Hazarmaveth, Jerah, Hadaram, Uzal, Dikla, Abal, Abimael, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, and Jobab. All these were the sons of Joktan. Shem, Arphasad, Shelah, Eber, Peleg, Ru, Serug, Nahor, Terah, and Abram, who is Abraham, 
the sons of Abraham were Isaac and Ishmael. So after that, in chapter 1, it goes into Ishmael's um, offspring. We don't need to go there. But basically, what I'm encouraged with is when God wants to make a point, he definitely emphasizes it in his word, and he'll redo all these names. They're important to him. They might not mean as much to us right now, but they um, are the beginning of the genealogy, again, uh, how he had a grand plan put in place to bring Jesus into the world after this. And it's, to me, you know, I know who I am, I know who my parents were, I know who my grandparents were, and it's comforting to know what your family tree is and your line is in a certain sense. I have a cousin that does a lot of genealogy and he's traced our roots back quite far, um, not all the way to Jesus, but we have faith that we did come from <laughs> from from Adam, right? So um, that to me is, it's still incredibly um, comforting to know that Jesus and our Father are like so deep into details of who is who and what families, you know, who are part of the families. And again, if we remember the branches, we're the branches and he's the vine and we can be grafted into the vine when we accept Jesus as our Lord. He immediately puts us into his family and that's one of the greatest gifts that he has ever given us. And thankfully, uh, it looks like from who's here, I believe all of you have accepted that, and that's great. Um, let's go to Psalm 111. And we'll read 111 through 113. So really this just speaks to the Lord and his wonderful works and his plan and um, just his righteousness and his majesty. And it would have to be someone with all the characters of God himself to be able to create the world that, as we know it in the perfection that it was and even now it can still sustain itself. Yes, we see damage from um, pollution and activities, but even then, the earth still has trees. God put trees, they filter out by photosynthesis, um, carbon dioxide, and make oxygen for us. And there's still a, a overall created system um, for us to witness every day that was by him and put in place for our benefit. So Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. 
he has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. So that's what chapter 10 speaks about. There's an inheritance and a heritage throughout all those uh, offspring of Noah that has each been granted their own nation, so to speak, within their own family. So verse 7, the works of his hands are verity and justice. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. And Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. And to me, that is just a reflection of what happened after Noah being blessed enough to build the ark to disregard all of the people around him saying he was crazy and probably scratching their heads wondering why this man was building a boat in the middle of the desert when there hasn't been any rain. But he was faithful, and so because of that, he was blessed. He feared the Lord, and he obeyed the Lord's commands. So his descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. And that's been repeated now twice. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. Again, that speaks to me about heritage and lineage. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and will be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. And again, that just speaks to God's goodness and his plan that none should perish. Uh, Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. So we have three praises the Lord's and another one coming up here at the end. But it's important for us to give him thanks and praise. And some of the worship songs tonight um, spoke to that. So praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. And verse 4, the Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? So all along, God knew the plan for Noah, that Noah would accept and obey and do what he had to do to procreate. And that's a word we don't hear much anymore procreate 
we hear about abortion and we hear about other things that are contrary to what God's plan and, and good blueprint for our lives is. And the, the blessing was in the procreation for Noah and he saw this um, whole like land and the, this whole new life and world really unfold in front of him. I wonder how it was to be, if I could get into his head, like to see what Noah's reaction was after many, many years of just seeing, you know, children, grandkids, great-grandkids, great-great-grandkids all through the line. Uh, so, verse 7, he raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Children, Praise the Lord. Amen. He is a good God, and he is worthy to be praised, and he does help those who ask. Let's flip over to Psalm 133. We'll do, we'll do 133 to 136. So Psalm 133 speaks of unity and dwelling together. Uh, another reference to f family, at least in, in my head, I, I went here, as well as for the Acts 2.42 verse. It's like you can't go wrong when you're together, when you're worshiping the Lord, when um, our hearts are open and our ears and our eyes are open. We can see him in each other. It doesn't take much, but we just have to be patient with each other and um, remember that we're all people and we're all created in his image. And that's really important. That's why he gave us this lineage, these outlines, and in other areas of scripture too. Uh, that's a reminder that we're all created from the same source. Um, yes, we have different talents and gifts and perhaps different interests, but we're all still emanate, we've all emanated from the same source and we're created in his image. So Psalm 133, verse one, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And that is true. He allows us to choose life. He did command the blessing. We will be blessed when we choose him and we choose the blood of Jesus to cover us, which is, what, which is the life that will give us uh, life everlasting. So Psalm 134. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. Bless you from Zion. And Psalm 135, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O you servants of the Lord, you who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. And this brings to mind another verse, 
better is uh, one day in the courts of the Lord than a thousand here on earth. So you who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his special treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, and our Lord is above all gods. And that's, Israel is his special treasure. And he had to start again with Noah uh, after the flood to start building up that lineage and start building up that heritage so that Israel would be a special land and they would be a special people. Isn't that funny? We are in a society that we can microwave everything, go to drive through. I did that more than I should have this past week. And <laughs> um, it's just like instant. And yet you look at what we just looked at, that was hundreds of years for that whole lineage to just develop. But that's God's plan. He's trying to teach us how to be patient as we live our lives. And yeah, there are valleys. And yes, there are mountains. But where can we go from his presence? Nowhere. He's the Lord. He's holy. And he's beautiful. And that's verse 5. For I know the Lord is great, and our Lord is above all gods. So verse 6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. He destroyed the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast. He sent signs and wonders into the midst of you, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and all his ser servants. He defeated many nations, but as we just read, he brought up and started up many nations. I think, um, I may have my research a little goofed up, but uh, Noah was able to see at least 10 generations, and out of those generations, at least 70 nations were born. That's huge. <laughs> so he defeated many nations and slew mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel as people. And that's part of God's plan. He knew all along. He had to set up this lineage so that eventually he could um, grant Israel their own land and their own nation. Verse 13, your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout the generations. For the Lord will judge his people, and he will have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold. They are the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi, you who fear the Lord. Bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion, who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. And... Okay, 136. 
Thank you for bearing with me. I just love these. I hope that um, you find encouragement in these verses. I do. It's like the Lord, he's never failing. He's never wavering. He's got a beautiful plan. And when we read these verses and put the cares aside of the world and what's going on in our own lives, he helps us to get lost in his promises. And that's what this speaks about to me. And I pray that speaks that way to you too. So Psalm 136, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And that phrase is repeated almost every other verse or every single verse in this psalm. So that's a reminder from him to remember that his mercy endures forever. The only work, if you can call it work, is we just accept him for who he is, Jesus our Lord and Savior, and that he shed his blood on the cross for us. And that is his mercy and grace, and that will endure forever. So verse 2, O give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To him by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights, for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule by night, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endures forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his mercy endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, to him who struck down great kings and slew famous kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel his servant, who remembered us in our lowly state and rescued us from our enemies, who gives food to all flesh, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his mercy endures forever. Alleluia. His mercy is enduring and just it can be uh, such a comfort just to know that that in Jesus we just have abounding grace and mercy from our Father and that's just unspeakably excellent <laughs> um, okay so uh, quick over to Proverbs and again, this is kind of going back a little bit, but um, Proverbs 22. Uh,
verse 24. So Proverbs 22, verse 24. Or I'm sorry, 22, 22. We'll start there and go to the end. Do not rob the poor because he is poor, nor oppress the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? And verse 28, we read this earlier, do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Verse 29, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men, which I interpret as a reference to the pit or the throne of heaven. So we're going to stand before the throne of heaven uh, in our acceptance of Jesus and his blood and his covering of our sin, whereas someone who doesn't believe in that and doesn't work at his faith and his journey with the Lord won't be able to experience those blessings. Um, Proverbs 23, just go over the next page. And let's go to verse 9. So Proverbs 23, verse 9. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. That's really appropriate today. So I can be speaking of genealogies and the one man, one woman marriage, and so can all of our pastors and the other elders here. But if we're in the company of people who are dead set against that, it's not going to sink in. It will just bounce off. And they, but we shouldn't be discouraged. Um, it's discerning, right? So we're, we have the spirit to give us discernment as to how to use um, the scripture that we know and that we're learning. And it's the Lord that has to show us how to be compassionate and to um, meet us where we're at. And that's what we need to do. When he meets us where we're at, um, we can meet others' needs when, when we're around them. And it shouldn't be a case where we avoid dialogue with people that have different beliefs than us. And this is a message I've been slow to learn, but the Lord's been teaching me to be more open to speaking with people who are different than me because they're really not different. They're still created in God's image. Um, he has a plan and a purpose for them. And maybe one of us is going to be the person that actually helps flip the switch or encourages them in a way to actually give God and Jesus a second look. So we shouldn't ever be discouraged and always be willing to give an answer like the scripture says for the faith that we have and why we have the hope that we do um, so verse 10 of Proverbs 23 again this is a repetition do not remove the ancient landmark nor enter the fields of the fatherless verse 11 for their redeemer is mighty he will plead their cause against you 
verse 12, apply your heart to instruction and your ears to word of knowledge. So this, these couple of verses remind me of the widows and orphans and how Jesus said to take care of them and to be careful, you know, how, how do you treat people? Um, if you, you know, we put our faith in him and we treat people with compassion, um, that will be encouraging and perhaps they will start to believe that the Lord is on their side and he will lift them up and he will support them. He says he will take care of people. All we need to do is ask. When we're down, just ask. And that's another reference to um, Acts 2.42. Like, we should ask each other to pray. And I feel like I don't ask that enough. I should ask others here to pray with me and for me. Um, even small things. I think the Lord wants to hear whatever's on our mind and whatever's on our heart. And he has ears to hear. That's why he's asking us to have ears to hear in the scripture too. Um, so let's um, finish up in Isaiah 40. I like that uh, chapter. It's got an encouraging verse at the end that I think you probably have all heard before, but I just needed that today, and I hope it blesses us. So Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And that means he's made a promise to us that he's going to make everything right. He's coming back, and we should be looking with expectation and joy, frankly, that he is preparing a place for us, and he's making things ready for us. And in the meantime, uh, we call on him and pray, Lord, to give us patience while we wait. So verse 6, the voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings, lift, your lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. And that spoke to me as I was reading this today. We, because Pastor Rob talked about it this morning, we don't need to yell at people, but we stand on our faith, in, in our faith, in Jesus, in all the promises in all the truths that he has imparted to us through his word, right? And we have reason to shout. We have reason to be 
um, joyful and expectant and encouragers and um, comforters too, not only to one another, but to our family and friends. And Lord willing, um, we'll be more in tune with the spirit and able to recognize some of these opportunities. I know personally, I feel as though there's been some times where I've blown it, but I know the Lord is going to pick me right back up again. And that's what I just get out of some of these scriptures tonight is the Lord is patient. His mercy endures forever. His grace abounds. Um, but I know that I need to put the focus of my heart, my head, and my eyes and my ears have to be open to him, to his voice. It's a still small voice and it's important to separate away. That's what one of the great blessings of being able to share um, with the church here is getting separate and deliberately getting into a quiet place, which is important. And I can see even now, I'm skipping over verses and, and trying to condense the message still, um, just because it like feeds on itself. There's just so much more in God's word. And just, you know, blessed is the man that dives in and the sister that dives into the word and, and, and just continues to rely on it as the way and the truth. Um, so let's see. I forgot, yeah, 11. Oh, nine, sorry. Thank you, brother. Okay, so, O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get, oh, I did read that. Get up, yeah, get up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. That's, yeah. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. This is a reference to Israel, the flock, but as mentioned before, we're grafted in um, when Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. We are part of this family too. Any believer is. So verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket. So even though God created all the nations from the beginning and he'll, he's established them now until the end. They're but a drop in the bucket. It's, they're counted as dust right here and are counted as a small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the aisles as a very little thing. So he doesn't, he's not a respecter of persons, right? He, he, he loves each and every one. He just doesn't um, separate himself from people. 
So 16, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor its beast sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman molds an image, the goldsmith overspreads it with gold, and the silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a contribution chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks for himself a skillful workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. And again, he is the potter. He is the clay, or we are the clay, and he is the potter. When we yield to him, then none of these troubles and tribulations uh, take precedence, right, in our lives. When we put our focus on him and yield to him, he is willing to give us the wisdom that we need to walk through the days that we're faced with today. So verse 24, scarcely shall they be planted, scarcely shall they be sown, scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth, when he will also blow on them, and they will wither, and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me, or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. That reminds me of going for the one and leaving the 99 behind, just to grab the one to bring that one last sheep back into the flock. So verse 27, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with eagles like wings. I'm sorry. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. Thank you for bearing with me. Um, that verse just encourages me. We want the best, right? And God wants the best for us. So it's in our best interest to rely on him, trust him. There's so much happening. And believe me, I'm not minimizing people's troubles. Um, God knows each one of us is unique. And he sets before us a unique set of circumstances. But in every circumstance, the, the best course of action is to call on our Lord and to ask him for help first and to always be in communion and, and communication with him. It's in our best interest to obey and what we've heard and read 
and not to discount any of the scriptures. He put it all together in these books just for us to read. He gives so many different examples of people who are just like us with daily struggles, um, highs and lows, and yet he says in his own word he will lift us up with wings like eagles. And that's the day that's coming. We can bank on seeing him um, as believers and you know, we pray to him to give us the strength to manage and abide faithfully until he comes. So thanks for coming out tonight and listening. And let's pray out. So Father, thank you so much for your son Jesus and his shed blood. And thank you for your spirit, Lord. We just ask, Lord, that you would refresh us, help us to stay on the narrow road. You give us the tools and you give us the means, Lord. Help us to not put you off, but to put you first and put you high on your throne where you belong. You are God and we are not. Help us to continue to remember, though, that because we're not you, you love us immensely because you know we don't have the means to make it through this world without you. Thank you, Lord, for always outstretching your hand. Thank you, Lord, for always being available when we call. Help us have the patience, Lord, when things don't work out the way we ask to continue to seek you, Lord, and to be uh, grateful of the answers that you do give and even to be grateful when you don't give an answer. Help us to have the patience, Lord, just to continue to abide in you in the vine and to get our nourishment and sustenance from you every day. Help my brothers and sisters get home safely tonight, Lord. Thank you for giving us this place to gather freely, to speak of you, to give you our praise. Thank you for loving us back. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.